Well, I would just like to start this episode. If I can just jump right in. Please. If I can just take over. Do it up. I'd like to jump right in and just say a big shout out to Walmart. (laughs) Um... (laughs) Not the not the sponsor of this episode, and also a company that doesn't carry uh, the appropriate audio cables for running a podcast. Uh, they don't have TRRS cables, which is um, I'm not going to go into a bunch of detail about it, but basically, um, it's an unacceptable, 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 unacceptable. Un, it I is, think un, unacceptable. It is not an acceptable oversight. There. It's bullshit. Yep. Screw you, Walmart. Um, <laughs> It's just stupid. Mm -hmm. It's stupid that they... And they had, like, the wrong... In the section where they should have it, which is next to the phones, they had, like, like home, like, wireless phones. Mm -hmm. They should have the cables that should be there, if any cable, is a TRRS, and even, like, a 2.5 mil instead of the 3.5 mil, uh, but they still just had regular 3.5 mil auxiliary cords. Hmm. And 99% of uh, people are sitting there right now going, I I don't know what that means. <laughs> um, and like one or two people are friggin' just fuming. They're like, they're like, what the hell, Walmart? <laughs> um, and you know what? I agree. I agree. Um, listen. Are you listening? No, I wasn't listening this whole time. But I will start now. I promise. I promise. Okay. So, like a week ago. Yes. uh, We did a podcast episode. Mm. Um, Surprise, surprise. Uh, But we did it about naturism. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was a naturist episode, which we've done several in the past. Yeah. I would specifically say a naturism film because we didn't discuss naturism. I just just with. I mean, we 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 spend a lot of time discussing naturism. We did. I feel like. We did. We did. The only reason I'm not wanting to cross paths is we we weren't sure if the film we reviewed was truly reflective of all uh, naturism. So I just. We. I don't want to. We spent a lot of time defending naturism against this film. Yeah. I feel like is more accurate. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Anyways, um, and we have a naturist friend. We have a friend who, who I would say, certainly spends more than half of his time um, not promoting any clothing brands. That's for <laughs> sure. Uh, but no, walking around in the buff. And um, he recommended this film to us, and so we reviewed it. And he listened. He listened to the episode. Nice. Um, and. Um, he gave us he gave us some feedback. Okay. Um, feedback is feedback always good. That, feedback that I haven't relayed to you yet. No, I'm just finding like I yeah, this is all new to me. Um and so he being a he's a so he he has his own podcast. Yes. Um but he's also a microphone junkie. Like he's got he's got an addiction. Ooh. Right? You know how like Ooh. some people yeah, yeah, yeah. you know see a teacup that they don't have and they must <laughs> own that teacup. Like they go to flea markets. Sure. And if there's a teacup, they have to get the teacup. Right. Um, I wish I was that way with like Funko Pop vinyl figure, but there's just like several thousand. Like it's just that's <laughs> impractical. I couldn't do that. Mm. Um, mm. But I am that way, kind of with like Tim Burtony ones. Oh. Anyways, um, yeah. he decided that in order to properly convey, because we were, you know, we're assholes and we didn't have him on the show, 
Um, <laughs> he was like, well, I'll for, just record. For, for the record, we didn't have him comments. on the show for this episode, but he has been on the show in the past. It's true. And so he recorded, he recorded his feedback. Oh, okay. And okay. listening to his recorded feedback just reaffirms for me that we got to get him back on the show just because, I mean, the man's voice is, it's like French, uh, what's like a liquid, I was going to say like French honey, but I don't know, like the French aren't <laughs> particularly known for their honey. It, French um, wine. It's like French wine. French wine or... Or mm. more applicable to Le Textile's French croissants or baguettes. Yeah, like the butter. It's like the butter that the, you would use yes. to butter up a, a French baguette. Sure. Yeah. Anyways, so here is uh, here's Stefan's comments on uh, our episode 129, uh, Le Textile. Hey, guys, it's Stefan. I really enjoyed your latest episode on Le Textile, which of course I did because I suggested the film, but I liked your discussion and uh, I thought that I should respond to some of the things you were theorizing about. Uh, yes, yes, of course I picked it uh, because I thought it was going to have something to talk about. It's going to be something interesting. It's not because it's a great movie. In fact, I'm sorry I didn't warn you, but I wanted you to have the same reaction that I did. See, when I first heard about this movie many years ago in France, I thought, oh my, a, fr a French movie about naturism. This is going to be good. If mainstream release, theatrical, theatrical release, uh, may not be the most popular one, but, you know, France is the, the, uh, the center of naturism in, in the world, never mind Europe. Everybody vacations there. Three and a half million people uh every year i thought wow you know they get it they there's a department of the government of tourism in france that promotes nature's tourism that's how big it is so when i watched a movie and i it was a challenge for me to get the dvd because it's not a popular movie i had to get it from uh, it's the chinese version the, the the cover of the dvd is all in chinese and it's available with chinese subtitles but also with english subtitles which is what i needed and well, I didn't even need that. I could eat. I watched it in French, obviously, but uh, my uh, my wife doesn't speak French, and a lot of my friends, like yourselves, don't speak French that well. So the subtitles in English was useful. And yes, I watched it, and it had it had a great potential. You know, yes, it's the old trope. You're absolutely right, Brady. They're always, oh my gosh, where are we? It's the middle of the night. Our car's broken down let's just sleep here in this little campground you know that's the it's it's yes it's very common i've read books i've seen movies it's just typical but still you know it was a well-made movie and it was starting out interestingly um yeah questions about their relationship maybe nature's was going to fix it i don't know but yeah when it broke and when they went there i went oh my oh, really and i wanted you to experience that too the kind of disappointment uh, without warning, which I didn't have either, because you knew what to expect. And I wouldn't have given you this movie first for that reason. Uh, you knew what naturism was supposed to be about from what I've told you. And so, yes, this is a bit shocking. And why? Why did they do it? I don't know. I Now, to be fair, you know, there are people, especially in 2004 uh, with Capdag, there was a whole bunch of people who were into 
the free sexuality, the swingers, who were arguing that this was modern naturism. And, you know, we can't prevent people from calling themselves naturists. And they are, you know, when you have a big orgy, you tend to be naked. So I guess you're kind of a nudist in their mind. Um, but again, naturism, as I've said many times, is not about being nude. The nudity is about accepting yourself. And it's about desexualizing uh, nudity. And it's about uh, getting away from the objectification um, and that's the difference. I think when you're into uh, swinging or other forms of uh, free sexuality, and all, you know, all the power to you if that's what you're into, I'm not judging. But in naturism, it's about getting away from that because the other way you want to be, it's a bit about, it is about judging. It's about evaluating. It's about shopping to a certain extent for the merchandise that you might be going for. So, um, you know, there are people who would argue that that was naturism being to some people because that's what they call it. It was. And what they call naturism at Cap Dag is pretty much what you saw. And it's wrong because it's a misappropriation of the term, but we can't control it. I have no problem. Why don't they just call themselves swingers or libertines? That's what they are. Uh, why, why do they need to appropriate our term and co-opt it for their purposes when there's a whole bunch of us who say no it's a different thing naturism the two are not the same at all um, they, they they are incompatible you can't combine them together you can do both but you can't combine them together so overall is it a brilliant film well i kind of agree with your rating it's not a very good film uh, but it was interesting because it's mainstream now fortunately it's not very mainstream you might be interested i looked up uh in imdb i don't know how they calculate this but according to imdb le textile uh had a, a, box, a box office gross of two hundred and sixty-six thousand dollars, which is minuscule um yeah i know france is uh uh, a smaller market. This was obviously a French film, but there are French films like uh, one which uh, the English title is called uh, Precinct 36. It's a French film about a police French film. Uh, and that one, in about the same time frame, earned over uh, $14 million in box office. So clearly, uh, even by French uh, measurements, uh, 266 is pathetic. I'm sure it cost them a lot more to produce, and I'm glad it never went anywhere um, and that it's not popular. But it is interesting because it does show you how some people view it. And I suspect they did it for that reason as well, because sex sells. Everybody knows sex sells. And they probably thought it was safer than a movie where people were just happy and not jumping each other and not getting upset at each other. I guess that does make a boring movies in some ways, but there are ways of doing this. There's happy movies out there, so it it could have it could have done been done, and we certainly saw it um, in uh, Act Naturally um, how you can build a good story around it. And I'm sorry that that's not a mainstream film because it never we can't call it that because it never got the proper theatrical release. But the textile did, albeit just in France. Oh, yeah, and one more thing about the end. I am not defending this movie. It's a bad movie. But just because you don't understand the ending doesn't mean it's bad, right? I mean, it is a tool leaving you to wonder. Remember 2001, Space Odyssey? Do you really know what that ending means? I'll let you guys talk about that part. Okay, so two things right off the bat. Sure. 
Number one, the fact that he called us his friends makes me a little teary-eyed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. You just, you spend your whole life wondering if you, you know. Mm -hmm. We reached someone. If you really make an impact, if you're really getting through yeah. to someone. <laughs> um, and two, okay, look, with the ending, have you, you've seen 2001 A Space Odyssey? I have not. Okay, you're useless to me then. <laughs> um, but. Um, have you? I mean, yeah, so there's, yeah, so oh, okay. of course I have. Sure. Uh, of course. Of course. Uh, Listen, there's a lot of films with amb ambiguous endings. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. Um, but I feel like a prerequisite for having a film with an ambiguous ending is that it, you need, like, you need to be able to walk away from that and go, well, did it mean this or did it mean this? Yes. Yeah. Whereas with Latex Deal, it, it, it wasn't even like, it wasn't even like we'd picked up a scent. It was just like, the film ended and it was, I, I don't know where to begin trying to interpret what just happened. Mm -hmm. It's it's not if I, you know, it's not like, you know, where the, the Matrix ends, the third Matrix movie ends. And you're like, oh, wow. Like it could mean this or it could mean this. It's kind of up for interpretation. Mm -hmm. Whereas the ending of this ends and it's just like, there's no, there's just no, there's nothing. There's nothing to go on. It's just friggin' <laughs> random ass BS. <laughs> what I what I'll add on to that is first starting with Stefan, always fascinating to hear from him. He's always on point, always gripping. Um Yeah, I would agree. I, I I will concede to Stefan that yes, although it was ambiguous doesn't mean it was bad. Uh and that's definitely not why and he knows this, but that's definitely not why we ripped on it or why we gave it such a low score. And no. I, I would I would mirror everything you're saying. I don't mind an ambiguous ending if it's in line with the rest of the film, if it's in the same tone where you're right, it's leading up to some type of ending where it fits and it's mixed all the ingredients together to kind of have a powerful ambiguous ending. With this film, there were so many different kind of paths it was trying to take. Like I didn't understand which path it was going down. It just seemed to change direction at every turn to which point then the ambiguous ending was a question to me of, is this on purpose or was just this random? Was it just another direction that the film was taking? And you know, it, how do you interpret meaning without knowing intent? And yeah, I, I would agree. I'm, I'm agreeing with everything you're saying. Yeah, it it was it wasn't bad because it was ambiguous. Mm, mm. It was ambiguous, and it was bad. <laughs> yeah, thank right. You. They were yeah. they were both present and independent of each other. <laughs> Mutually exclusive is the Mutually exclusive, kids, uh, kids yeah, would yeah. say. Uh, listen, anyways, that's the latex deal is not the reason why we're here. Mm -hmm. If you're interested in that, you should go listen to that episode. It's a really good episode. Like. I I think like I said to you I think it's one of our best episodes. You know, um, I was I was listening to it uh, like just for audio quality at different points and uh, the audio quality is great. The discussion points are great. Um, the things that I laughed at when we recorded, I also just laughed at when I was listening to it cuz I'm going, wow, that part of the film was bad or uh, you said something ridiculous that I just found funny. Yeah, we it, it was an interesting, uh, you know what? Stefan always has a point and a purpose when we've discussed with him on the show about previous things. And he was on point with this 
Uh, he gave us a discussion point, which was this film was not a good film, but it gave us a really good platform to say, this is a bad film because of this. And I'm confused because of that. So he absolutely mission accomplished on his part. All right. So the reason we are here. Yes. Is because once upon a time, it was the year 2002. Right. Uh, and it was the darkest year in record for Robin Williams films. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. Well, because Insomnia was one of our vote options as well. Oh, right. Yeah. Sorry. That was in the same year. So, yeah. Yep. Like 50-50 chance <laughs> we were getting a dark... Robin Williams and we were getting creepy ass Robin Williams. Right. 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 Uh, listen, one hour photo. Um, we posted the options. You guys voted. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you voted for one hour photo. You also voted pretty strongly for Minority Report. It was kind of a photo finish. Very much, yes. Mm-hmm. So I can't say much except for if you were a little bit butthurt <laughs> about Minority Report not winning, just, you know, maybe put some cooling cream on it for like about two weeks and then you'll be fine. Actually, Brady, could I kind of jump the gun here and i'm gonna okay i'm just yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm gonna pull the curtain back a little bit because you kind of teased what's gonna come but i'm just gonna bluntly say it um we like you said it was a photo finish and it was obviously quite a popular second choice like it was in the distant second so you and i were saying wow there was interest for both what should right. should we just review both and we said how do we decide should we do this should we do that what we did was we let our Patreon voters or our Patreon members vote exclusively. Should we review Minority Report or should we just forget it? And um, stay tuned, folks. I won't give any more beyond that. But Man, our Patreon like, voters made the decision for us. Every single week, every single week, I tell myself, maybe I should become a Patreon voter. <laughs> And I never do. And I always regret it. And that's... That's that's your loss. That's all there is to that. That's yeah. your own loss right there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, 2002, what we are here today to talk about is One Hour Photo, which did win. Um, yes, with, uh, with the ever-friendly, ever-happy family movie guy, <laughs> Robin Williams. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The late, great... Yes, absolutely. Robin Williams. Yep, very much so. Um, um, had you seen this film before? No, I remember. Tra- I, I vaguely remember trailers of it when it was out, uh, okay. but I had never seen it. I think possibly Marshall or possibly you made reference to it briefly in our top ten actors episode. I I mention it. You I did. mention it in the top ten. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Um. So yeah, let's let's shall we get into it with some trivia? Sure. Okay. Uh, One little tidbit. I found this interesting. There was a dialogue section uh, or a monologue where Robin Williams and his character said, you know, any, any, you know, nitwit thinks they can produce photos by taking a two day seminar. No, it's a, it's an art. It's a mastering of an art. And uh, you know, I am a passionate, I'm in, uh, you know, I'm motivated to do this. Interestingly enough, for this role, ironically or coincidentally, Robin Williams did take a two and a half day course to uh, like develop photos in a lab just to kind of prepare for the part. 
That's cool. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, one question this week. One. I want to ask you, who was first approached to play the lead character? So the character that was obviously eventually Robin Williams. Who was first approached to play this character and reportedly turned down the role because he thought the character was too dark and that dark kind of role was too similar to a previous role he had been in? Sean Connery. <laughs> it's the early 2000s, so he's in the business of turning films down. <laughs> Dang it. I wish he was an option, but he's not. I, I, okay. I failed you. Um, so the first is Jack Nicholson. Just because, and I'll give an example of the film for each one. So Jack Nicholson, he was in um, the joke in the role of the Joker uh, quite recently. I guess maybe it would have been ten plus years, but in uh, uh, Tim yeah, Burton's been eleven years. Yeah. Uh, so Jack Nicholson is an option. Christian okay. Christian Bale is an option uh, with American mm-hmm. Psycho. Uh, Edward okay. Edward Norton is an option with his role in Fight Club. Fight Club. And uh, the last option, Robert De Niro uh, in his role in Taxi Driver. Okay. Um, I don't... Uh, I don't think it's Nicholson. Sure. Uh... uh did the... Okay, so the actor, the actor that you're talking about... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, when they said that it was too similar to a role they'd just recently been in, did they give? Did they did did they specify which role it was? Uh, they did. Okay, so I don't think it's Nicholson because um, I think okay. Batman's too. I think you stumbled on that. That was a little weak. Okay. Um, hey. Okay. Christian Bale, maybe. Sure. Um. What were the other ones? Uh, so Nicholson, which is you said no. Christian Bale, you said maybe. Edward Norton, Fight Club, and Robert yeah. Robert De Niro, Taxi. Sorry, Taxi Driver. I'm just trying to think. Like I don't think it's Edward Norton because okay. I feel like I feel like you don't go. Ugh, we couldn't get Edward Norton. We'll have to settle for Robin Williams. <laughs> Fair enough. I like I like Edward Norton, but I completely see what you're saying. Right. Um, and I was leaning towards Christian Bale, but I feel like, again, like early 2000s, I still feel like you don't say that either. I feel like no, no, no. I, I feel like if if Robin Williams is where they settled, then we started out in that league. And I feel like aside from Jack Nicholson, the only person who I don't think it is because I think it was a weak option, um, the only person I can think of out of those four who's in that league is De Niro. Mm, okay. Uh, so I'm going to go with De Niro. I think, I think sure. I, I'm, I'm, my heart, my gut is telling me Christian Bale. <laughs> sure. But I'm saying De Niro because on, because of a technicality that I think um, disqualifies Christian Bale from, you know. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So I'm going to say De Niro. Cool. That's a valid guess. I always find your deductive reasoning a fascinating component of these questions. It was actually Jack Nicholson. So apparently in the DVD commentary, the director said that Jack Nicholson was first approached to play the character, uh, but he turned down the role because he thought the character was too similar to a role he played in the past, um, specifically The Shining. 
Oh, okay. I, I weird. Put, I put, weird. I put the Joker in there just as a bit of a red herring because I'm like, oh, yeah. I think like so that's, because we just reviewed. That's weird because The Batman, Shining yeah. is even further back. Well, that's the thing. Like The Shining is, forgive me for those purists out there who love this film. I think it's in the 70s, maybe the 80s, but it's definitely older than Batman. I think it's the 80s. I think early I think 80s. it's early 80s. Maybe like 1980. I think it's 81. Yeah. But regardless. I don't know why. um, (laughs) that's really specific yeah i don't know why i think that's what it is it's probably way wrong um 1980 okay 1980 you you were close okay um so yeah that is the trivia well i will self-inflict the lashings later for (laughs) for answering incorrectly i don't know why we came up with that with what i don't know why you came up with it and i don't know why i agreed but I no, I, I did not. I, I am nothing I did not. if not a team player. I did no such thing. We watched. Okay, again, if we're in the business of pulling back the curtain, mm-hmm. we were trying to come up with like because you see these shows like Kenny versus Spenny or like these competition type trivia, you know. And there's like a humiliation. There's something that if you get something wrong or you <laughs> lose, mm-hmm. then. There's, there's a punishment. There's something you have to, you know, there's there's a the thing that happens that isn't good. You don't, you know, you don't want that. Um, and Pete had Pete had just finished watching, like, 20 minutes before we sat down and we had this conversation. Pete had just finished watching Da Vinci Code. And he was, like, fixating. What? On Paul Bettany's <laughs> albino character I, who, like, takes the, the Christ whip. <laughs> This and like whips himself in the back, and I was like, ah, no, you know, what are you t- it's not something that I, <laughs> it's not something I've ever wanted to do. But if you think it's what's best for the show, and he almost like interrupted me and was like, I do, I definitely do. I think that if we want I, listeners, I, and we and if we want to come across as sincere in our attempts to do trivia, <laughs> then. Self-lashing, self-mutilation is the way to go. And I I, said, okay. And that was like a year and a half ago. (sighs) And um, my doctor's not happy about it. But (laughs) Your doctor's not happy about a lot of things. But my, yeah, but my doctor also doesn't have a podcast. So he doesn't like, (laughs) this is, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a world that he's not a part of. And so I don't blame him for not understanding. I listen. I got embarrassingly far into that story before I realized it was bullcrap. <laughs> I was like, "What story are you talking?" Oh, You're like I don't remember this, but it, well, no, I got to like the I was details like, are so solid like, I, that it ne- must like. I was like, "We've never watched the Da Vinci Co- Oh, oh, I see. Oh, I see what yeah. he's doing. Yeah. Um. Okay. Listen. Yeah. Th- th- this is a film right off the bat. This is a film that is obviously dated and hasn't aged well as far as <laughs> this guy's profession sure. so listen ki- listen kitties there used to be a time where and there's obviously this isn't you know i'm not going like way way back i'm not talking about like no in the beginnings of camera technology like i get that even you know the fact that this is the oldest camera technology that i really remember mm. dates me as relatively young Yes. In in the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a time where when mommy and daddy would take photos of, um, you know, you doing whatever it is you did as a kid, 
they would have to like go and pay to have this film developed. Um, yeah. Do you remember? Do you remember like the big? Oh, like obviously you remember that, right? You remember whether it was Walmart or the grocery store or wherever that wherever had a photo lab. You remember that? You remember going with the, to the store with your parents and like oh. before they did their shopping, they would drop off their film. I remember like this film was a walk down memory lane. I specifically went. I think it, the brand was a Kodak store, so it was a specific photo store in a mall. And yeah, oh, wow. I remember like going in, you drop it off. It wasn't like a one hour drop off or at least we were too cheap to do that. It was more like, we'll drop it off. We'll pick it up next week. But oh, sh- yeah, shiznack. This, yeah, that's uh... this. This honestly like was a walk down memory lane. Every corner, like just the film development, even like the euphoria of like when the family would come home and break open the packet of photos and look at them and see how they all turned out and remember. Oh yeah, I forgot I took this. Kind of, kind of the equivalent to nowadays when you look at your camera roll and you either see you know pictures you took last month and your phone reminds you of it, or you know on Facebook reminding you that you posted a picture a year ago. That's that's the modern day equivalent to this coming home with a packet of photos and seeing how they turned out and seeing how red eyes and how blurry everything was that you thought was a you know UFO photo that really was just like a complete black picture and well those 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 are the people who um, who took the two and a half day seminar <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. They're just they're just producing your photos bad. Yeah. Um, I'm glad that you gave specific details as to how this film was like a walk down memory lane. Because mm-hmm. there's a bunch, like, mm-hmm. I would say the majority of stuff that happens in this film. Mm-hmm. If that was a walk down memory lane sure. for you, sure. um, I would be sitting you down and saying, like, do we need to get someone for you just to talk to? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Do you have some stuff that you need to work out? Yeah. Because there's a lot of shit here that I hope is not reminiscent for you. Yeah, and I, remember, I hope you're not like, you're just like, every turn, man, every every part of this film just like this took guy, me back. This guy also had a picture, pictures of families on his wall that weren't his own. And like, I was just getting childhood reverb here of just... Yeah, you're thinking like I, you know, as a kid, I never, I never understood the purpose of that wall. Yeah. But my parents said, "Don't touch it," and, yeah. and and so I didn't. You're right. I should clarify. The going to the photo store gave heavy uh, childhood nostalgic vibes, or like when Ad Robin Williams walked down the aisle, and there were all those like boombox speakers that looked like at the time they were amazing as heck, and now they're the crap that you see at a land refuse or a land dump. Um, yeah. you know, the two things that were a flat, like a, like, yeah, I echo all of that. Um, but then the two more things that were a flashback for me, one specific to, to film, uh, and, and sorry, pictures was the, the little film snippets. I always found those so fascinating. Oh. I wanted to take them out of the little plastic sleeve yep. and hold it up to the window so mm-hmm. that I could see that, which I don't know. That was probably really bad for the film or something. Like, I don't, I I don't know how that works. Yeah, um, I don't know. Uh, and then the other was action figures that came in in plastic mm. packaging with a cardboard backing on. Yep. Preach. That was a yep. you know. Yep. And and the great thing about action figures back in the day, what like late '90s, early 2000s, is it was kind of like one company. 
or like all the companies shared one mole. <laughs> and so like if you had a if you had a Batmobile, mm. your Superman would fit in it perfectly. <laughs> and your Spider-Man would fit mm. in it perfectly. Sure. And your Dr. Ian Malcolm from Jurassic Park would oh, fit in it perfectly. Right. Um and so that was cool. They all had like the, you know, the same one fist was clenched and the other was like open and like mm. and all action figures just kind of had the same the same build the same mold to them right. so anyways that, that was a flashback as well that's cool that i thought was kind of fun yeah um i don't I, this is the first time i've sat down and watched the film in its entirety sure um i think i saw it not right when it came i, I saw it on tv once mm. it was like on tv um which is another outdated technology let me tell you children <laughs> um there used to be a time. No. Um, and I, and so, I mean, whenever you see a movie on TV, unless you've like seen advertisements for it all day and you're like, oh shit, son, at seven o'clock tonight, it's you, me, a bowl of popcorn and Joe Dirt on channel seven. <laughs> like, um, you just, you, you, you never see the whole film. Mm. You catch, like you show up, you're like channel surfing and you're like, holy crap. It's Titanic, and I missed the drawing scene. Damn it. <laughs> um, but, uh, and, and I mean, you miss stuff anyways, because they, like, cut stuff out to make it shorter so that, like, you know, so that it will fit on TV in this, like, happy little hunky-dory slot. Because um, there was a couple movies that I had only ever seen on TV and then saw, like, a DVD of many years later, and I was like, what the hell is all of this? Yeah. Is this, like, an ex a director's cut? Like, what is going on? Preach. No. I absolutely um, know what you're talking about. Where you're, yeah. you're, You just find this nugget of a scene, you're like, wow. Wh wow. I, what? What? This? And, what? And then he kills his own father? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Free Willy 3 is way darker than I thought it was, you know. Yeah. Um, they call him a killer whale for a reason. Yeah, but I saw I saw this I saw a, a chunk of this film, <laughs> and I saw it way too young to be watching a film like this. Sure, way 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 too young. Like I think it was flipping through, and I was like, "Oh, cool, Robin Williams." <laughs> um, yeah, and boy did I learn stuff that day. Um, <laughs> but the only thing that I remember, the only like, the only you know nugget in my brain that made me like that you know that i had any nostalgia with with this movie and traumatized me made me never watch this movie since huh. was the the eye squirting blood from his eye dream sequence that he has yeah that's missed and that's it that was the image that i had was like you know a a, a robin williams that had dyed his hair looked like he was playing rolf in a stage production of sound of music <laughs> maybe he was and had to dye his hair <laughs> and um you know uh but yeah so that was that was it was super traumatizing for me so i've never come back to this film until hmm. until we were selecting options for 2002 and i was like you know what and i didn't think it would win i was i was i was really yeah. shocked that it won it i thought yeah. i thought it was probably the least likely option i didn't really know about insomnia i watched yes. the trailer for it yeah um I thought I thought Minority Report probably had it yeah. Yeah. pretty much bagged. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, uh, so 
What are your thoughts on this movie? It obviously it's upsetting. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I have some cool theories as to things that they did artistically to make it Ooh, upsetting. Interesting. Um, yeah, my thoughts are definitely a fascinating view. I, I had never seen it. I'm glad I did. Um, you know, I think there are some cliches in it and, um, it might be easy to jump on the bandwagon and, and critique it for those cliches. Um, but to a degree, I think those were done well, um, in some cases. I mean, there was the cliche, the dad is a douchebag where, um, you know, Hey, I'm in an argument. Let me show you, let me yell at you. Cause I work so hard and I buy you all these things. Look at this house. Look at this Mercedes Benz. That's why I don't spend time with you. So there was like the cliche, dad's a jerk. And, you know, some things were cliche. But then there was the cliche that there was this kind of inappropriate uh, individual who's uh, definitely crossed the line of what's appropriate. But at times, at least with me, there were like, I'm not, I'm not supporting or condoning what he did, but knowing his motivations weren't always sinister. There were times where you kind of flipped the script a bit on his cliche where you were going, well, his motivations are, he just wants to be part of this family. Like he just wants the connection and the relationship with these people. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously he's sick very much. And he, you know, uh, he, he crosses the line, like I said, but knowing, but, but in, sorry, but oh, yeah. I mean, in saying, in saying that he's sick, I would argue that, I mean, it doesn't excuse the behavior. It doesn't make the behavior. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that very often people who are sick and do sick things, they are a victim of their sickness. Oh, for sure. Right? And which is why often, like it's it's very possible, at least in the Canadian judicial system, um, that he would not be going to prison, he'd be going to a psychiatric hospital. Like he would be getting psychiatric help. Mm. Right. He yep. wouldn't be able to walk free. He'd no. be locked up, but not simply in a prison. Right. Yeah. So Right, because he's not just a guy that did bad things. Mm-hmm. He's not all there. Yes. And I, I think that's I think that's kind of an interesting part of his cliche because it's not just labeling him into a corner that he is this. We get a bit of uh, perspective from his vantage point of why he's doing some of these things. And um, you get a bit of empathy for him knowing that he does need some help or that th- there's um, there's reasons he's doing what he's doing, not to justify them, not to condone them, but um, it's uh, it's a bit, it, it breathes a little depth on, on what is otherwise kind of a cliche of just what could have been his character. So, um, yeah, I, th- I thought that was interesting with this film. Um, Can I ask you a question based off... Uh, based off your your asking talking about his motivations, mm-hmm. yeah. Take away all the other creepy stuff, right? Sure. So put yourself in his job role, sure. not his. You know, you're just you are you. You're normal, Pete, uh, as normal as that is. Yeah. And uh, and you happen to work in in this photo lab, mm-hmm. and you come across the discovery that he comes across where. Um, you know, let's say there's this wife and kid and you're not obsessed with them. You're not stalking them. You're not trying to move into their house. Um, you just, they're like, you know, they're just there all the time. They're there every Tuesday or whatever it is. And so you get to know them. Right. And you do, you see all of their, I mean, weirdly, 
is something I've never really thought about, but you see all of their photos um, <laughs> because, you know, and so you just like, they're your favorite. Like I've worked retail jobs sure. and there's always customers who I'm excited to see. They're my, like yeah. my favorite customers to like strike up a quick conversation as I'm ringing their stuff through or as I'm taking their order or, or whatever. Um, and uh, so, so let's say there's that. And then the husband comes in to develop film and you you become privy to the fact that he's having an affair. Mm-hmm. I, would you, <laughs> would you in that situation do what he did? Not like tail them and stuff. But I follow them to their house, yeah. Yeah, but how tempted do you think you would be to slip one of those photos into her envelope? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean... um, Justice. Because I'll tell you, I watched it and I'm like... I mean, I'm like, it's not the right protocol because I feel like there's almost like this patient-doctor confidentiality thing when it comes to having your photos developed. Um, you know, like if someone's really into feet and being tied up, then you, you kind of need to be able to have those pictures developed without, you know, with, without your, your photo tech going, oh, well, Mr. Johnson, I would use a, a, thir- a, a B grade rope instead of the rope you have been using. And that will, you know, yeah. um, unless someone's like breaking the law or someone's in trouble or whatever, like the same rules as like counseling mm-hmm. with therapists. Um, I I mean I know that's probably the what you're supposed to do. You're probably just supposed to be like, I can't intervene. But you know what? I so that it would make me a bad photo tech mm-hmm. because I would I'm I I feel like I don't know if I would like have the guts to do it. But man, would I feel convicted to do what he did? Sure. I, I he did that. And I'm not like oh you sleazy bastard. I'm like, yeah. Good on you. So what would you do? Like, what is your, where, where is your headspace around that? For sure. I think you raise an interesting point because as I was watching him throughout these actions, I wrote down on my notes, like, is what, is what Robin Williams doing wrong? And obviously quite quickly, the, the needle pointed to yes. Like the more I found out what he was truly doing at certain times. Yeah. Like it was totally inappropriate. Totally. Oh, the wrong. stuff he supplements it with. Yeah. Yeah, obviously. But there were the, uh, the initial question of n- without knowing the full picture, I kind of watched it step by step going, okay, like this on its own is okay. Or, you know, like not horrible. This on its own is okay. And then, you know, when you add the cumulative up, it's inappropriate, it's wrong, etc. Um, But this one specific thing I did ask myself is what, is what are you doing okay? And I, I don't know, I guess you'd have to break it down. Is it just? Is it appropriate? Like how, it depends how you define, is it okay? It, with me, I, I think I'm with you. I'm like, in this specific role, I I don't think you have, I think there's some things where um, you have a bit of an honor system and you call wink, wink, nudge, nudge the person, then you say, hey, you know, taking pictures of teacups at uh antiques roadshow it's kind of out there and weird but i'm your bro we're cool with it and then there's things where hey on the spectrum this is illegal you shouldn't be taking pictures of pirated dvds i'm probably going to report you to the police and kind of related to that hey you're 
cheating on your spouse and uh, you know um, you're you're cheating on your family to a degree uh, I'm I'm not going to follow you I'm not going to intervene any more than that I'm just literally going to drop a photo where it shouldn't be just to reveal the truth and kind of help someone else so I I probably I'd be tempted to do what he did in that specific circumstance is what I'm trying yeah. to what I'm trying to say I love I love how your answer speaks to the difference in personality between you and me. <laughs> Why? Because you use the example taking tea pictures of teacups at the road show. <laughs> and I I instantly went to feet foot feet fetishes and bondage. So I like I just, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um I I do think you raised an interesting point. It's not exclusive to this, like you raised the example of retail or non-retail, but there's certain roles or jobs in society that you, in that role, you do get a bit of an intimate knowledge of someone or some people or some groups. And it can be retail uh, in this example, just because we're talking about this film, like is a photo technician, it is something kind of interesting. You would kind of have like an intimate knowledge or an intimate connection with a person at a specific time and it's right. it's very it's very unique because there are professional boundaries you know obviously uh confidentiality or uh not taking pictures home or ordering duplicate copies to take home you know like without being silly there's there's boundaries and knowing what's appropriate and whatnot but there are i, I just think it's an interesting concept that there are these roles in society where complete strangers can know a lot about each other and you know there's healthy ways that it can manifest like you said in retail you know hey I, i'm pumped when tom comes in because we have a special connection when i sell him teacups and we can chat about them and chat about the weather and you know i will probably never see him outside my professional role but it's still fascinating to connect as a human being over this random thing in my capacity i don't know something just about the, this concept of being um, knowing and having a special connection with human beings in this in this in this role kind of just is fascinating, and I guess we saw the the nightmare version of it where it goes wrong if someone kind of um, abuses that power. But um, it, it's just an interesting concept. Yeah. Um, so I, I I have a fun piece of information that I feel like ties into that. Please. Um, I discovered recently that Walmart's policy, uh, and <laughs> and someone so someone was telling me about this. This wasn't you know like I I've never I'm of I'm of an age where I have never taken a role of film to be developed. Like I think right right I think as a kid. I probably had like a disposable camera developed. Sure. I probably was like given one for a birthday or something. Do you know how um, you know how really was it given to you by Robin Williams? Um what a, what an amazing story that would make. <laughs> I wish. Yeah, for sure. Um no, so but Walmart's policy back when back when film development was a thing mm. um was not only would they not develop any naked pictures but and i don't know it was like in their fine print or something somewhere they would destroy the film oh wow so if you if you you know you hand in i don't even know how many pictures i don't know how many shots used to be on a roll of film 20 is it 20 or 25 or more yeah i don't know 30 
Anyways, yeah. um, you know, and there's there's a bunch like of a soccer game, and then there's you know your your wife in the tub or something, um, not your like just you know generic <laughs> generic someone's, wife, someone's a, a generic wife in a tub, sure, or a husband or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, they'll like it's not like they give you the soccer photos like just it's gone, everything's gone. Hmm. Yeah, they just destroy it. Um. Which I think is interesting because it's like, I mean, I guess if it's in their fine print, then they can do whatever they want. Um, but it got me thinking about like Stefan and, and our naturist friends. Like, yeah. I mean, what if, what if you and your family, like what, if, what, how would you do it back in the day? If you were, if you were a family and um, like if you're a, a naturist family and you've gone to the Bahamas or you've gone to the tropics somewhere and uh, and you're and there's like a nude beach and you're having a naturist vacation and you've taken some naked photos like you're naturists right of course you're taking uh, a lot of the photos you're taking are going to be photos where people are naked that's just the way that it is what do you do what yeah. do you do if it's like the mid 90s how do you get these photos developed hmm. um, without you know without having your own dark room um, so yeah that I, that was something that I you know, I had, again, had never occurred to me. I was like, like, holy crap, there's, there's this whole group of people out there who aren't murderers that take pictures of their victims. They're just, they're just people who happen to take a lot of naked photos for, for innocent reasons. And, um, and yeah, like how, how would these people get those pictures developed? Mm -hmm. So that's maybe something to like, I'm sure I'm sure. It would be a question that would be great to ask Stefan because I'm sure at some point back in the day, that is a problem he had to solve. Mm, right. 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 Yeah. So, uh, I have a theory. Please. Um, and it kind of ties into your, your, your trivia question. The reason why I think Robin Williams is such a brilliant casting for this, and the reason why Jack Nicholson would have been the wrong casting. <laughs> is because you expect Jack Nicholson to play an adult role. You expect him to be a little creepy. Mm. And I think that part of what makes Robin Williams so brilliant for this role is that it's jarring. Mm. Mm. This is this is the flubber guy. Yeah. This is Mrs. Doubtfire. This is yeah. Peter Pan. Yeah. You know, this, this is the genie. The genie. I was just going to say the genie. Yeah. Yeah. And so to see the, him in this role is, you know, it's kind of like when you see a clown with a with a frown painted on his face. <laughs> it's like it triggers something in your brain. There's a whole psychological thing about that, actually, that I, I don't know where. But it was like this documentary or this little like mini documentary that I saw once on like the psychological effect and why we find clowns with frowns so creepy oh. because it's not, because it's not supposed to be right. 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 And it's like this jarring thing to see. Hmm. Um, and, and I think it's the same effect to see Robin Williams in this horrifically creepy role. Right. Because you're, you're trained to go your your brain is trained to go. Oh, Robin Williams. This will be this will be warm. This will be f warm and fuzzy. Hmm. Um. And so, and I think it's. I wonder if it's the same. I think it's the same reason as hair is blonde. 
Oh. Because you look at him and you go, yeah, it's Robin Williams, but something is wrong. Mm. Something isn't right. Hmm. It's Robin Williams, but it's not. And 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 it is. It's weird. Like it's it's. He looks weird. He looks. He's got a look to him that's like unsettling because of that blonde hair. And I think it's so effective. And I think it's because you're like, ah, it's him. It's him, but it isn't. Hmm. Right. It'd be no different than because it's such a dr- dramatic difference. Right. It'd be no different than like. Um, if Leonardo DiCaprio did a film tomorrow and right. they they turned him into a ginger, you'd be like, "This is weird." <laughs> sure. If they'd lightened his hair up a little bit and made him a little blonder, you'd be like, "Oh, I think they changed his hair." Mm. But if they were to make him a redhead, right, or dye his hair black black, you'd be like, <laughs> "This is odd. <laughs> right. This is weird." And it's jarring, and it's a little I don't know. Hmm. Right, especially if so. Tomorrow, yeah. So tomorrow, you've got um, you've got Leo playing a serial killer, and he's he's a ginger. The fact that he's a ginger would really add to that. Not because all gingers are. That's not a you know. Just because he's not currently a ginger, <laughs> and it's so it's so polar different from what he is. Mm-hmm. I think that would be really jarring. Right, and 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 would add into the. Yeah, that's Leo, but something's wrong. <laughs> something's not right. I can't put my finger on it. And so I think that I think that really helps. Mm. Really ups that that creepy factor. Hmm. I so I think um, I think what catches me off guard, and I, sorry, I just can't personally. I I'm just finding it fascinating. You listed a bunch of roles that he was in and then to go one hour photo it's such a contrast i'm just specifically thinking jack where he plays he perfectly like knocks it out of the ballpark good plays like a child uh, and captures the innocence of a child and portraying that and just in every facet that a grown man you know yeah acting as a child but um yeah, Hanging I, out with Bill Cosby uh, as children yeah. do. <laughs> that part didn't age well. But I think I like something about this film, I think what got me with his role was it was a bit of a transition. Like It was seeing him in a more serious role and then a darker role. So it was almost like I got kind of that taste to begin the film and then it, tra- and then it just kind of really escalated. And right. I, I think it kind of just paired well. Um, I don't know. Because he's, he's uncomfortable from the get-go. Like, the second you see him have interaction with anybody, you're like, ooh, he's, he's weird. We, we do have that kind of scene uh, early on where he, we see him invade their house and live there, and we realize it was just a, um, just a daydream. A, a daydream. What, what, Walk me through, like, what, what happened at the end? Because we, for those who've seen the film, they know this. Uh, we think he assaulted uh, the two, the, the adulterous father and the girlfriend. And then after all that happened, where he says, I just took pictures. I just took pictures in the interrogation room. He's given the photos that he took. And we see completely vacant photos, like, of just, like, a bed and a wall and a shower curtain and nothing at least for what we thought we saw occurred in his pictures that he took. So, so what, what do you think happened? 
I mean, I don't know. That scene, that scene, that that end interrogation room scene, that left me with two questions, and that's one of them. Sure. One of them is what, what, like, what does this mean? Um, and okay, again, ambiguous, but not as bad as latex deal was. This, <laughs> at least, you're like. You've got something to go on. And see, I'm, I'm, I like this ambiguous ending. I can live with this. Yeah. Um, so that I wasn't sure of. And then the other thing I was unsure of was he, he starts out and he's talking about like ways a father should never act and things a father should never do. And it seems like he's talking about the father from this family. Um, but then he lists a couple of things that like, you know, touch a child in a certain way or like he starts listing some things that are almost like sexual assault type things um, that we never saw happen. We never saw as part of the dynamic between this father and, and his son. And so I was like, th- there was a moment where I'm like, oh, okay, hang on a second. Is he explaining what happened to him as a child? Is he telling us why he is the way he is? Because his father abused him, his father molested him, and and now he's twisted and he's just longing to be a part of a family that's not really broken and messed up. And that's why he gets so upset and takes it so personally when a part of this family is dysfunctional and he feels the immediate need to remove it because it's not until he realizes that the father is a cheating asshole that he like scratches his face out of these images up until Mm. this point he just sees this family as like an idyllic family right because even in his day he wants to be a part of yeah even in his daydream before he found out the father was cheating the dad's there and everything the dad was there and it wasn't that Robin Williams replaced the dad and she, no. the wife comes home and kisses him. And he was he, a kid. He, it was, say, there's uncle, and I forget his name, but there's uncle Robin Williams. Uncle Let's, Cy. Uncle Cy, there it is. So, yeah, I think you, so that, I think you hit a point on that. Maybe once he found out the adulterous thing, that was kind of, he wanted the, to c- fix that. Because the cop asked him. The cop's like, what What made you do this? I just, I have to know why. Oh, and I, I completely agree. I, I, the, the walk away I came from was, yes, he's talking about his childhood. He's talking about unfortunate, the unfortunate, unfortunate circumstances that made him. Um, right. th- Which gives him a, spe- a specific sour spot towards bad fathers. Sure. Um, but yeah, I th- and I think you also hit it on the head. I never thought about this part actually, but I think you hit it on the head. It wasn't till um, the father was cheating that he honed in on kind of extrapolating from his experiences with a broken family to re- fix that broken family. And then felt the need to punish the father. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I want to ask one, one question further. So we see this all unfold and I think we've kind of broken down part of it anyway. Um, or, but not necessarily why there weren't any um, events that we saw in the pictures that we saw. But I also just want to know what's this like. Then we the film closes closes on a picture of the four of them, the the two individuals, the child and Uncle Sai, with the, yeah, like with the dad's hand around with Uncle Sai, the Cy. dad there. And I think that was just an abstract ending. I was like, oh, okay. I think that's just like, you know. Yeah, I think that that's just like maybe giving you a glimpse inside of his head mm-hmm. or like, 
Yeah, like I mean, clear. Obviously, that doesn't end up happening. Yeah, there's there's no reality where, you know, he's let go and they're all buddy buddy and shares no. beers. Like that's you know. Yeah. Um. So I I, I guess he, I'm yeah. I guess we're assuming that he went to the hotel. He never actually threatened them directly. And the pan shot that we saw of the cheating girlfriend in the shower and the husband sitting on the bed when the detective came in, that was independent. Uh, That had nothing to do with anything with Robin Williams because he was never there and they were just upset for cheating on on his wife, I guess. I'm assuming that's what we can say. Yeah, I don't know, right? Because they're not the ones that call. No. They're not the ones like the husband and the the mistress. They're not the ones that call nine one one. No, we never hear them say they have no bruises, they have no scars, they've got nothing. We never hear them say that. You know, mm-hmm. we never hear them say that. We the police show up, but maybe yeah, maybe all he ever did was check into his room. I think so down the hall yeah. and take some pictures inside of his room and in and daydream yeah i think daydream uh, i think going so. and and murdering not murdering but like holding mm. a, a woman at gunpoint which what like she doesn't even really like her her, her robe isn't that secure when she answers that door like she just right from the get-go she's like yeah my robe's wide open you can see me top to bottom that's <laughs> What do you want? No, in her <laughs> like, defense, like he kicked the door in her face and she right. w- went back a bit. So maybe that kind of, you know, flapped Knocked things open, open a bit. I, I, I'm just saying I, I possibly. Know. I'm not, I, I don't know. I Seems don't like know. a bit of a jump. I, I, it could be. I'm not sure. Um, uh, do you have anything else? I think that's about it. I, I, I just want to say this. Um don't go digital. I'll be out of a job. I, all these, there were so many lines that just kind of caught me. I'm like, yeah, it happened. That was a great job uh, or a great line. And also the line, cause he monologues a couple of times and they're all great. Like yeah. voiceover monologues. Mm-hmm. And one he says is he talks about how, um, you know, when you, when you take a photo, you're, you're freezing time. Yes. Even you're, you're just freezing one moment of time. Mm hmm. And that nobody ever, and it's always a happy moment, that nobody ever takes a picture of a moment that they want to forget. Hmm. Yeah. And that was a cool line. It was very cool. Yeah. And and I had someone the other day, I was talking to someone and it was like, it was so brilliant because I was like, man, you have no idea what movie I just reviewed <laughs> or what's coming. But they were talking about photos. Oh. And they said, and it was a photo in which they, they they were in a bad relationship. And it was a photo from that relationship. And they're like arms around each other and, and, and smiling. And everything's really happy. Um, and I was like, oh, like, this is, this, is a, this is actually a really nice picture. And they said something to the effect of um, pictures capture... Pictures capture a projection of, like a picture that you're posing for, Mm. captures a projection of the way that you want things to be. Hmm. Interesting. Right? That when you throw your arm around someone and you smile and stuff like that, the the smile is always, like when you smile for a picture, 
no, you were never genuinely that happy in the picture. Right. You're, you're making yourself look happier than you actually were in the situation for the picture. And that, yeah, that, that photos don't capture reality. Photos capture a happy aspect of the truth. And I was like, oh, man, that's like, not only is that really deep and like got me thinking for a while. And I was like, wow. Um, but I was like, that's so applicable to to what we're doing, to what we're talking about. So that maybe that was, I was like, that's cool. That's, that's, it was poetic. So uh, scale that's of zero to 10. Yeah, that's sir. definitely a deep cut. And it's very cool that it coincided. Yeah. Okay. I gave it a pretty high score. Really? I, uh, I, for me, I mean, I definitely do not need to see this again, and I doubt I will ever watch it again. Um, but I gave it an 8.3 out of 10. Wow. And on that Marshall is, scale, high. yeah, on Marshall scale, I gave it a seven. I could maybe be convinced to an eight, but just how his scale worked, I'd be closer to a seven. So, okay. All right. No matter how you cut it, uh, a decent score based on its filmmaking qualities. So, mm-hmm. how about you? Uh, I give this a 7.8. Um, provided this film is your cup of tea. If this film is not your cup of tea, then then it's, it's, it's going to rank much lower. Because um, it is. This movie's not for everyone by any means. Uh, this film's actually probably very triggering for some people. Like if you, oh, yeah. if you've experienced, you know, like a sexual assault or something like that, this would be a very tough film to watch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, seven seven point eight provided it's the film that you're there for. Yep. So yep. yeah. Cool. Uh what'd you watch this week? I watched two films. Bravo. Bravo. <laughs> Actually, okay, two films, and I've still continued on in Twin Peaks. I'm watching it with a friend. Not quite finished yet, but I'm watching Twin Peaks. One of the films I watched was It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. The Ooh, tw- that's on my short list. 2019? or t- No, it wasn't 2020, so I guess it'd have to be 2019. 2019. Is it, is it good? Quasi-biopic starring Tom Hanks. It was good. Um, I think, obviously, I think Tom Hanks is an incredible actor. He was in my top three, uh, top 10 actors of all time. He he made it into the top three, um, or even top two, uh, regardless, I think he was born, there's certain roles I think he was born to play. One of them, I think was Mr. Rogers. The only critique I'll give is I think the story that this film told was a story that I wasn't as interested in compared to Mr. Rogers himself. And you made me watch probably a year and a half ago, an actual, like a 45 minute documentary on Mr. Rogers. And I found it really profound. I found it really informing, uh, informative. And I thought it was just, I like, I, I nearly teared up a couple times in that short biographical documentary. And so I think I just specifically found that documentary and the story of Mr. Rogers himself, more profound than I did the film A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. So there's A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood is a good film. Everyone should check it out if they're into that type of thing and uh, if it interests them. Uh, Just 
when I'm comparing the two side by side, I was just more interested in Mr. Rogers himself versus the story that that film had to tell. But on, on its merit alone, it was a good film. The only other thing I watched this week was uh, a classic film. And I'm not sure if you've seen it. Uh, the Human Centipede. <laughs> not even remotely. Uh, I actually got the unique opportunity. I haven't been in a movie theater for eons. Oh, right. Holy crap. <laughs> you, you, you were in a movie theater. I was in a movie theater. In, with that, is, that is huge. That is like if, yeah. we, if we had... <laughs> if we had a hockey podcast right. and you were showing up this week to say that you had licked the Stanley Cup since we talked last, <laughs> that's it feels very, very similar to that. For sure. Uh, yeah, I, I made it to a movie theater. Uh, our local theater has this thing where there are COVID precautions. So limited number of people, you know, you have to wear a mask. You have to be spaced out. Uh, by spaced out, I mean like physically spaced apart not just like not paying attention um and we we watched a film and we watched a film of my choosing and we watched of a your choosing of my choosing why uh, wait so what was this event it, it was just a group of people who hadn't seen each other for a long time because of covid and this was the safe like for a year this is the first time we could do so safely according to public health guidelines and um we just watched a film and uh it's a film that i'm curious if you've seen or not it's from the 80s it is princess bride oh my yes i have seen it okay i assumed you had yeah once 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 only about four or five years ago oh wow Maybe like four years ago. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So that was which. Which I'll be honest, having seen it for the first time like four years ago, yeah. I didn't really get it. Sure. Like, I was like, ah, it's fun, but I don't like. I was like, but I feel like in order to feel the way that everybody else feels about the Princess Bride, I need to have grown up with it. Um, and I didn't grow up with it. It's it's the same. I I felt the same way that I felt about Goonies. I'm like, mm. I, I just didn't grow up with this. Maybe if I did. I'd be more nostalgic and more excited about this. I'm I'm with you. I've never seen Goonies. I doubt I ever will. I'm too late to that train. Of note, I never grew up with Princess Bride. I would probably say I'm I've seen it not in childhood, but more recently, kind of like you. I think just the difference is it's kind of tomatoes, tomatoes. There is a nostalgic factor just as far as there's some people in my life both family and non-family that do like that film and as a result you know we'll just randomly quote kind of off lines uh, to each other from the film and it's just kind of like a little i guess it would be like a pulp culture so, classic in my circles so it it does definitely have a nostalgic component but for different reasons than like the classic hey i grew up with this so i, I like i've got a couple questions so like in this thing like you had to bring your own blu-ray Yes. Yeah. So you brought your own Blu-ray. Yeah. Uh, what were the what were the restrictions? Could you bring literally any movie you wanted? Yeah. I mean, I, I guess that's a pretty bold statement. Like, I, I like, guess you could bring I mean, any I movie. mean, yeah, you weren't going to show up with, like, 
softcore porn or something, <laughs> but like, yeah, yeah. If, if, like, was there a length restriction? Um, good question. I don't know. We didn't obviously come anywhere close. I think there'd be like somewhat of a length restriction. Like, I don't know if hashtag Zack Snyder's, um, oh, I'm butchering Justice it right League. now. Justice League, Justice yeah. League. If I don't think that would be on the table, I think that would be pushing the limits. But I think. Well, I'm just surprised that, like, you know, if you had the opportunity to, like, see Return of the King on the big screen again. Right. You know. Uh, yeah, I think I think it came down to um, there were a lot of films that I would maybe prefer watching on a big screen, but I wanted to watch something that had a bit of everything for like a huge multitude of interest levels, like people who like film, people who don't like film. And Princess Bride has like some romance scenes, some comic scenes, some action scenes. So it has like a bit of everything that kind of a few, a bit of everything for everyone kind of thing. And you chose the Princess Bride over the room. Oh, I mean, the room is on a short list, but I feel that can turn some people away from film permanently. Forever. Forever. Uh, and final question. Um, <laughs> so, like, it, it was, it, was it a Blu-ray or a DVD? Uh, the only copy I could acquire was a DVD, so it was a DVD. Oh, so it's even lower than, it's, it's not even, yeah. so, like, how did it scale? Onto, onto that screen. You know, I mean, it wasn't the best, but it wasn't horrible. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because it's not, it's not like, I know the theater you're talking oh, about. Yeah. It's not a huge screen. No. I think, um, I think it, but if it's, it's, still been, a, it's still a theater screen. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Huh. So. And how was the audio? I mean, you know, um, I think if we have been watching something, uh, I think it was appropriate for, it was okay. For uh, the type of film that I was watching. Because that theater is always way too quiet. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so. Yeah. What What did you watch this week? Um, I think I think I only watched four movies. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, I watched four. And then some more of my... I, I've been watching 24 of the series. Oh, um, right. So to finish off what I had started last week, I watched War for the Planet of the Apes. Right. Which is such an interesting movie because, like, I'm, I'm sitting, I, I, the movie's nearing its end. I'd seen it before. I saw it in the theater. Um, but the movie's nearing its end, and I'm thinking to myself, what other film could you sit and watch? Whatever, what other two, almost two and a half hour film? Could you sit and watch and spend the entirety of the film rooting for the extinction of the human race? <laughs> Honestly. Like genuinely wanting people to get wiped out. Yeah. Like that's, I was like, wow, that is something so unique to this film. So that's, to me, that was, that was spectacular. Um, for the very first time, I sat down and watched Ridley Scott's film, Alien. Oh, I think I've never seen Alien before. Nice. Um, so that was fun. Um, really kind of a slow beginning. Okay. But good. Mm. But still a good movie and creepy. Like you don't see a lot of the Alien and it's all like um practical effects and like it's just it's just creepy. Hmm. Like it's it was good. It was good. Um 
Then, because I am who I am, uh, the next film I watched was James Cameron's sequel, Aliens. Oh, okay. This fills in the blanks. Yeah. And um, then next, because I am who I am, I watched David Fincher's Alien 3. Oh. um, Which is a better film than Aliens, but not as good a film as Alien. Hmm. Um, Okay. So, and then the next film that I watch, uh, well, that's not true. The next film I watch tonight, I'm going to watch a film as soon as we're done. Mm. And it's going to be the theatrical cut. Of The Room. Of Justice League. Oh, Justice League. So that tomorrow morning at 8.30, I can get up and start watching <laughs> Start watching the yes. Snyder Cut. Mm. God, it's going to be good. Um, <laughs> yeah, but so then really, like, you know, of, of non-show-related movies, the next film I will likely watch will be Alien Resurrection. Cool. Yeah gonna truck along and then the prequels and then i'm gonna do then i'm gonna do predator i'm gonna do the predator franchise and then watch the avp films the alien versus predator films i'll mm. plug those in chronologically where they belong in that series oh neat have you seen so, the predator films on their own i've seen the first predator film okay a number of years ago sure and that but that's it yeah, I think I think I'm with you. I think that's the only film in that series, uh, or of both series that I've seen. And I didn't I didn't watch it because it was a Predator film. I watched it because I watched it with a friend of the show, Carl Eastman, oh. and um, he's like an Arnold Schwarzenegger chunky. <laughs> and so I watched it as an Arnold film, not as a sure. not as Predator. Yeah. So. Yeah, you know, yeah. a good film. The, the two films that pair well together: Kindergarten Cop, followed by Predator. Yeah. Uh, listen, I wanted to tell you about something real quick. Mm. Um, we, we were chatting sort of off the mic last night about um, backlighting for TVs. Oh, yes. Um, and yes, you should absolutely, listen, listen. <laughs> you should absolutely backlight your TV. You should have okay. a light behind your TV. Okay. When you're watching a movie, there should be no light in your room that's in front of the TV. That's going to wash out the image. Mm. It's going to affect your viewing experience. Mm. You should, however, to reduce strain on your eyes and to help make the image on the TV pop, you should have a light behind your TV. Not something super aggressive, not something super bright, just some sort of light there. Now, there's some really cool technology. I see some people use like the LED strips that you can get, Mm. the sticky, and they just like stick them to the back of their TV. Yeah. Um, totally an option. Um, there is this cool technology out there um, where it's kind of like that. It's LED lighting that goes all the way around your TV. Oh, cool. But it's connected to the TV. And so the light that's being projected on the wall is an extension of whatever is happening on the screen. Mm. So, like, in the Lion King sequence... Oh. With the sun, sun coming up... Yeah. You would have, you know, the, oh. the light being projected onto the wall behind the TV and around the TV would be variations of black, yellow, red, whatever, as going up the sky as it appears. So, it's like color-changing LEDs that are always matching what's on the screen... Right. ...to give it, like, a deeper immersive feel. And I have no idea what the cost of that is, but it's 
it's really cool tech and I wish I had it. That's that's actually kind of cool. Yeah. So anyways, slap a stamp on this thing and mail it somewhere. Perfect. Well, thank you everyone for listening. We really appreciate it. Um, uh, please check out our links below. Like, follow, subscribe on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. That's where we send out all our new information. That's where we send out our upcoming votes where you tell us what films to review. Um, if you're feeling so inclined, please, please check out our Patreon and our merchandise pages below. It's a way for uh, you to help maintain and grow the show, and it's a way for us to give you some perks uh, back for doing uh, what you are to support us. Thank you to all our Patreon supporters. Yeah. And, um, yeah, until next time. Yeah. Remember, remember, if you're taking pictures of your neighbor while they're sunbathing naked in the backyard... Don't take the film to Walmart. Cuz cuz they'll 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 destroy it. And maybe you shouldn't take pictures of your neighbors like that anyway. Without yeah, without I, them knowing. You you should always try to avoid doing that whenever possible. <laughs> <laughs>